You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. This is John Schneider with Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. We got a full complement of people today. My regular, usual host, Brian Manning. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, John. How about you? Ah, it's today. We got our first snow this year, so now it's time for spring. Go away, winter. I got Joshua, my son, Joshua Schneider. Hey, Josh. Hey, guys. Yeah, the snow can... uh go die somewhere else i'm not interested in it <laughs> and jahar ali is checking in to wrap up the football season too how you doing jahar good i'm not really sure why you guys are so anti-snow it's so nice outside and peaceful <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I like it on the weekends it's good, yeah, on, it's it's, good on like friday night I, and saturday as long, but... as long as i don't have to drive prices fork road in the ice and snow i guess it's okay but that roller coaster was not fun today and anybody who went to Tech and drove between Tech and Radford down Prices Fork Road knows exactly what I'm talking about. All right, so guys, this is this is the wrap up podcast for the football season. First, we're going to kind of go over the belt bowl and the fallout, mostly to concentrate on the fallout of what happened in the belt bowl. In the next segment, we're going to probably take a look at. What we see are some of the changes that are going to be in the offing. We know that the team is in transition. We know that now uh, the big goodbyes have been said and things are kind of quiet. But there's some nibbles and some rumblings. And then take a look because they've already announced the spring game. So we'll take a look at what we might see or what, what might be interesting for all of us to concentrate on when the spring practice rolls around. So, Belk Bowl. I know everybody's kind of disappointed. I'm disappointed because Brian and I, Brian had to work. So Brian, and we had to do it in one day. So Brian and I couldn't actually go to the bowl game. But then after the bowl game, I kind of thought, well, I'm kind of glad I didn't end up going all the way down to Charlotte, spending the whole day in the press box, having to chew my lips bleeding and then go home and grumbling with Brian, the two of us grumbling at each other for three hours in the car. So maybe it was, you know, God saying, no, <laughs> you guys chill out, <laughs> do it at home. I Observations, guys. Uh, Jahar, let's start with you. I am a bigger Lynn Bowden fan, I think, than you guys are in it right now. Lynn Bowden is a dude, man. That guy, he was running over guys, and he's not that big, but he was running all over our defense and running through our defense. That was really impressive. I think a lot of the time, 
they were ran mainly, you know, a couple different quarterback run plays. We got out of our gaps because Kentucky has very large linemen and our defensive linemen aren't that big. So they have to win with quickness and speed, causing them to get out of our gaps. And when Baden found the gaps and took advantage of that. Yeah, you just stuck your finger on something right there. Let's put that in the changes in the offing bin. Defensive line size. Okay, Josh, you. Um, well, while I'm not a giant fan of Lynn Bowden, as Jahar said, because not as a human, as a player. Okay, as a player, (laughs) as a player, I recognize his athleticism and his want to and everything. As a human being, he probably should have been charged with assault and let off the field in handcuffs. But let's let's kick that to the side. My personal point of view in that game is, for all the annoyance and the yelling at the offense that happened. Virginia Tech scored 30 points on one of the best defenses in the entire country. And people were really mad at that. And then not really because it was Bud's last game, it it kind of lined up in the exact same square peg round hole thing of bad matchup for Virginia Tech, because Bud Foster doesn't know how to stop running quarterbacks at all. And that's basically all Lynn Bowden did. They were running a high school offense. And by the way, I would contend not even running it that well. Like so many times Virginia Tech got lucky because they did the not so jerkish thing of trying to throw on third down. And I would have been out there if I was their offensive coordinator, like Paul Johnson and just hammering us first, second, third and fourth down and just forced my way down the field because there was no way that Virginia Tech was going to stop it, especially by the end of the game with our very light defensive linemen, our short rotations and our inability to like just literally hold the line of scrimmage against that big Kentucky off the line. So it was the worst potential matchup, I think, for Virginia Tech because it was just something that it takes recruiting and time and size to beat. And it was something that we just didn't have the capability of doing on defense. All right, Brian, you're up. I'll agree with both of you guys about about Lynn Bowden as far as the football player and the person. The football player, I knew going in, I, I went and watched some of his games before because I, I wasn't too familiar with him other than the name, and I went and watched him, and he's pretty amazing talent. And as what Josh said, he's a he's a dirtbag, but that's beside the point. He's such a talented football player, going to be a good player at the next level. But just this game was just the whole season, the game itself. I look at this team, eight and five. With the schedule they played, I, I can't keep – I can't – I go over it and again and again, look at the schedule. Eight and five is just unacceptable. And that game, it was a bad matchup, and you knew going in that was going to be an issue. You look at their offensive line, the size of each guy, and our biggest guy is like 260 pounds up front, and it was just a terrible matchup. And, and what we saw on paper kind of kind of happened. And it's kind of a fitting end. And I don't mean it disrespectfully to Bud Foster as much as we love him. What he was, he that's how we got beat again is his failure to stop a quarterback, a running quarterback. And it wasn't just a running quarterback. It wasn't a dual threat. It was a guy who could only run and we still just couldn't stop him. And I think you guys have brought up the size issue a couple of times. And that problem isn't just a college football problem. It's not just a Bud Foster problem. Just look at the NFL game this past Saturday with the Titans running the ball all over the Patriots. The Patriots don't have a very big front seven. They're good, but they're just not that big. And Derrick Henry just had his way with them. But at some point, Jahari, you're point, right. At some point, yeah. size size matters more than than speed and, and raw athleticism at some particular point in time on the inside. Here's the thing. It, w- it will work 
if like obviously it worked with the Tennessee because they had the strategy and the fact that the New England offense was it has been pretty neutered for right now. So they could they could use a low scoring, very pedestrian offense and just hammer someone. The problem was yeah. that hey, we actually put up 30 points on the board and still couldn't hold down that offense. That's the problem. Yeah, now here's here's the scrub on that one. And there was some interesting give and take with a couple of our readers out on the Facebook account. I don't know if you guys got a chance to read my article. Sometimes you guys do. Sometimes you guys don't. But here's my offensive issue. We left 12 points on the field. Okay. Right. Offense isn't about scoring a certain amount of points. It's about scoring as many points as possible. Yeah, exactly. You cannot leave points on the field. If we did not leave those 12 points on the field, we walked away with the football game, even with Bowden running all over us. Well, and and yes, that's true. But at the same time, thinking about just managing expectations, it is the only time that someone has put up 30 points on Kentucky. So let's say you lose a baseball game six to five. It's like your your offense still scored a lot of points, but your pitching couldn't hold it down. And your pitching yeah. your defense. And so it's... Yeah, and- it's one it's of those complete, give and take things where it's a complete, honestly, that loss goes on the team. It was a team a loss. There wasn't enough offense to make up for the fact that the defense couldn't stop Bowden. And here's the issue. And this is how we're going to transition because we got like four minutes left and we're going to step into our transition to, to the changes in the offing. So this whole bowl game was a microcosm of the season. It ended exactly the same way, almost to a letter, as the Notre Dame game and the UVA game. You had a defense that couldn't make the stop. It could slow the other offense down, but it could not make the stop in a critical point because it didn't have the complete set of pieces to do that job. So the offense needed to make up for it, and the offense was not able to make up for it. That's where we sit right now in transition and where the changes are going to have to come in. So everybody, what I get is from this panel, everybody's sort of kind of disappointed with the belt bowl and the season was okay. It was a winning season. It that was good and whatever, but guys, everybody out there, it's still meh. It's disappointing because it could have been better. It could have been a lot worse. I mean, face it, right? How did we all feel at the end of the Duke game, which we still are all convinced was inexcusable? That the Duke game was just where was the football team? How bad it had gotten in the locker room that that was that much of a sit down at the Duke game, and in that that much of a difference between the Duke game and the rest of the season, where we actually were contenders and we're talking about splitting hairs or making adjustments, shave adjustments here or that versus Duke where it was a complete collapse. So will we live with meh? I think we, we have to. Of course, the season's over. There's not much we could do about it now. So what, what are we looking at to stage the next segment? What are we looking at as far as changes now, the force changes? We have new defensive coordinator who's not too new and not too defensive coordinator we don't have a defensive interior line coach. Assuming that Tap takes the ends. I don't know if yeah. they necessarily said it. I don't know what they're the doing coach. with Daryl Tap. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what they're doing with Daryl Tap. I haven't heard. 
There's no rumors coming out again. It's all locked down. Nobody's saying boo. There's nothing on Twitter. There's no twitches going on. We'll get into that next segment. Yeah, right. that's we'll the see. next segment. And we have one other thing going on, and that's recruiting again. We got to go back to recruiting. What do we need for recruiting? And with that, let's just take a break and we'll be right back after this ad read. Welcome back to the Gobbler Country Podcast. Before the break, we were going over the Belk Bowl loss to Kentucky and how disappointing it was, which transitions us into what's coming next for the Hokies. And as we saw with Bud Foster's retirement, new defensive coordinator Justin Hamilton, and we have two positions still open on the staff, and there's a lot of rumors about who the defensive tackle coach will be, which is his name is Bill Tierlink with the Buffalo Bills, son of longtime NFL coach John Tierlink. It's not official or anything. It's just been the, the biggest rumor around town. What are your guys' thoughts on these coaching hires and who will fill the last two positions? The trend is seemingly former players here with Hamilton being hires of defensive coordinator and Tap now being the defensive line coach in some capacity or another. So I would not be surprised to see former players just added as the coaches for the positions on defense. For offense, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, if we're going to add coaches like that, but that would be the trend I would suggest looking at. Josh, what's your thought on it? Well, my big thing is that I think it's interesting that they went they went with Tap, who theoretically might be a better 757 recruiter than Burden, because frankly, I think that they were a little bit annoyed with the fact that for all the fact that Burden was supposed to be the 757 recruiter and help us get 757 recruits, that really wasn't going anywhere. The running backs were not necessarily performing up to snuff. And we weren't getting any big running back recruits. I mean, I guess our best recruit was or has been. It's Keyshawn King and Jalen Holston. And Holston's been hurt a lot. And King might be good, but that's going to be another year or two down the line once he gains a little bit of muscle and weight. And then on top of that, the, the with the tier link rumor, this is not overly a surprise because he spent 2005 and 2006 at the defensive line coach at a certain program known as Illinois State which might sound familiar to you guys because that is where Justin Fuente was the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. So Fuente digging through his past to find coaches that he likes. But at the same time, the thought that you're hiring a NFL coach with the son of a coach with a lot of experience and coached in one of the best defenses this year in the NFL, you know, maybe it brings in some better NFL concepts, gives you an idea of like, Hey, this guy knows the type of body type and the type of athleticism and everything that's required of, you know, defensive linemen in the NFL, hopefully it'll help the defensive line, which while Charlie Wiles and Charlie Wiles is now a, one of two lifetime recipients of the lunch bail, the other one being Daryl Tapp, Charlie Wiles also had a particular type of player that he wanted to recruit or wanted on his defensive line and liked to mold. And unfortunately that has put us in a deficit in terms of size now we don't even have necessarily the, even the top end athleticism to do what they want on in terms of speed on the defense. So there are certain things that have kind of passed that defensive staff by, and now it's time to move on to the future. And it was going to happen sometime, and it looks like it's just this year. Yeah, I like the the potential hiring of Tier Link with his NFL ties. You bring up some great points about what we're looking for now at the defensive line position. And Justin Hamilton's clearly showing that he wants bigger linemen, which we've all been wanting for a while. And hiring a guy like Tierlink, if that is indeed who is hired, is a great step in that direction. And, John, what's your take on the defensive line open spot there? Well, 
I'm, I probably am the first guy way back when, several years ago, to start bitterly complaining about the size of the interior line. Having been a too small interior lineman myself, I kind of firsthand know why you can't be that small and inside and be successful. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we could never stop the option, because to stop the option, you have to drive, you have to be big enough and strong enough to drive through those blocks or drive over those blocks. And we never had defensive linemen that were big enough and strong enough to drive through and over cut blocks. Uh, the 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 that whole t- mix never made me happy. So when Hamilton started complaining about the size of the interior linemen, I started smiling to myself because that's been a major key to this defense. And one of its major weaknesses is we never had a defensive line that could do it on its own. Maybe two years ago, 2016 and 2017 and 2018, uh, we couldn't touch a fly because everybody had gone. But 2016 had the interior line size to have the defensive line stand on its own. And that allowed exotic blitzes, that allowed all sorts of strange mixed up coverages that flummoxed a lot of offenses and made our defense really good. Having a great defensive line is actually the key to really like negating an RPO game because if your defensive line can stop the run all by themselves, your linebackers aren't committing yeah. up to their run gaps and they can fall into the coverage lanes to take away with the pop pass. Right, you've got maximum like flexibility. That. You have right. you, you you have the ability to have role swapping or they call technique switching so that you can have an outside linebacker, you know, the whip position can switch between whip and rover where you have uh, the ability to run the nickel and dime defense and not have to worry about, Oh God, I got to find a linebacker to be able to put pressure on the quarterback or to stop that one gap in the line where we just can't seem to seal it. Well, we had that in 2016 and 2017 and we lost it when we lost all the interior line, the big interior linemen who were bigger than we usually had. Here's the thing. You saw it already in this recruiting class coming in. And I know that our recruiting class isn't necessarily something to write home to a mother about, but the three, three of the late ads on that recruiting class, Alec Bryant, Robert Wooten, and Justin Beatles, they're all six, three or taller, and they're all 230 pounds or heavier. That's much bigger than the typical Virginia Tech defensive end commitment. I, I want to touch back again on something Josh said earlier about uh, before we talk about the new DB uh, cornerback coaches. Josh mentioned Burden and and how ineffective he was as a recruiter and basically as a coach too, and that what Tap can bring to the seven five seven. I mean, we all love what player he was, but I don't. I think I think he can do nothing but good for considering what we were getting from Burden. We were we weren't getting any impact players from that region for years. And, and it's not all Burden's fault, but I don't think he was helping things there. Daryl Tapp there, I think, can be a big a big advantage. And that that was a very good point by Josh on that one. And it's obviously yeah. in theory because you have no idea what happens with kids and their heads and their wallets. So yeah, here's kids' heads wallets, wallets are a big thing. Yeah, here's kids kids' heads and wallets, guys. Because in the off segment when we were talking about what we wanted to talk about with this, we actually got a good discussion going. We've also got a log jam showing up in quarterback. We're losing McLeese, which means we got an extra scholarship that's going to shake loose here. Also, good, good luck to him. Hopefully yes, good he luck. does well in the NFL. Deshaun, we, we love you. 
We wish you so well. We know you're done. It's your fifth end of your fifth year. I know you had a sixth year and everybody, oh, no, good luck to you. Please stick somewhere and do us proud. You're a Hokie and we love you. So everybody needs to get, we need to get back to where we were before. And that was, we've got a log jam coming up at quarterback and there's going to be another open competition for quarterback. And we had this good discussion going between Josh and Jahar about the fact that there's somehow or another Hendon Hooker is going to, I think this is a thing in Fuente's brain and it's stuck in his brain that he just, everybody has to compete for every position. And I'm not sure that's a, a good approach, but you guys go ahead, see if you can remember what you were talking about between Burmeister and Hooker, because I don't necessarily see Burmeister is real competition, but I'm I'm hearing more and more, oh yeah, they're going to be in competition this year. Well, obviously right now we're we're dealing with the fact that, hey, you know, next year we'll see what happens between Hendon Hooker and now Braxton Burmeister, who transferred in as a redshirt freshman, and now he's going to, I think, be a redshirt sophomore, might be a redshirt junior. Can't remember off the top of my head. But he is, unfortunately, he has some experience, but it was, you know, he was a freshman on a mediocre, at that time, Oregon team. And then he didn't really have a great year. He was, you know, 2017, 44 completions, 77 attempts, 57% completion percentage, you know, 330 yards, two touchdowns, six interceptions. We've seen that Justin Fuente and his staff could turn around Willis somewhat. He looked better than he did at Kansas. But at some point in time, this program has to have some sort of stability. I don't know what Fuente's, I know why Fuente wants to create competition. And that's just to make sure that no one's comfortable and lagging off and sacking time. Because there are a lot of football players that once they, once they're not threatened for their jobs, don't put in the work. But at the same time, I'm just like, okay, I don't necessarily know if you're proving anything by this. The stability that we're looking for that you mentioned really only happens when you get like high rated recruits who like clearly just outshine their competition. And I feel like even in practice, Hooker hasn't really done that. I mean, it was a, we had to wait, what, five, six games before Hooker get on the field over Willis. So that tells you like, okay, he's not really wowing in practice. Burmeister. He could wow in practice, but we have no idea. Literally, no one has no idea. I don't think Fuente has any idea until he watches him in spring ball. So the stability probably won't happen until, you know, the kid Davis from Texas gets here. He's looking better and better each week. Every time I see him, he's getting another award down there as a junior in high school. Yeah, wasn't yeah. he named like the MVP for some crazy preseason list or something like that he's he is racking up all the awards and the only reason he's not a five-star recruit is because he's about 510 511 he's at the highest level in texas too which is even more impressive it's crazy like this demetrius davis if he actually like sticks to his commitment and ends up at virginia tech is that has the potential of being gonzo yeah well the the big thing that we all got to wonder about in all of this going on is quincy and what's going to happen to quincy and I'm I'm one of those people that says, you know, if I'm Patterson and want to play football, I'm going to go to the coach and say, hey, look, the quarterback thing isn't working out. Let me go do something else because QP needs to get the ball. He's a game breaker in one form or another. They got to find him something to do. Well, because the problem is, is that right now it's looking like, let's say, for example, and and I had worked this out with a friend of the podcast, Ray Matthews, back when Jared Evans was the quarterback and we had recruited Hendon Hooker. 
And it's like, well, if X scenario happens, then then we're not going to have people for, you know, starting until certain points. Right now, it's looking like, let's say Hendon Hooker starts for the next two years, just for example, that means that Quincy Patterson isn't going to see the field as a full-time starter until he's a redshirt senior, which guess what? In today's NCAA, he's not going to be in Virginia Tech at that point in time. He's going to be gone someplace else. There's only so many quarterback battles you can go through in training camp in August and, you know, be happy with it, especially if you, you've had, like, the most amount of success within the last two years as a starting quarterback like Hendon Hooker has before he yeah. transfers out, I mean. Yeah, and as that transfer is talked about, we need to take a break, and we'll be back with the final segment. Hello and welcome back to Talking Turkey, the Gobbler Country podcast. Before the break, we were talking about different things to look forward to for what we're going to see in the, the spring, talking about some coaching change. One more move we didn't get to discuss was there is two spots open on the staff. One was the defensive line, defensive tackle coach, which we discussed would be possibly tier link from Buffalo Bills, but there's also a cornerback coach opening because Justin Hamilton will still coach safeties. And that's a very important hire for the Hokies because the recruiting's kind of struggled in recent years at that position. The coaching has gotten had gotten better with the development of Jermaine Waller and Caleb Farley, but the recruits that we're getting at cornerback is not what we were used to. This is a critical hire. What are you guys hearing about the cornerback coach? Josh, you want to chime in on that one? Well, as far as I've heard, TSL uh, had reported that apparently they had interviewed a defensive backs or quality control coach from the Green Bay Packers that had turned them down. I've heard that there are two coaches in potential out of JMU. I've heard that Everett Withers, who was formerly a uh, defensive coach at North Carolina, and then he rotated around, I think it was Texas State. Yeah, he was a head coach at JMU at one time, too. Yeah, he was. Did, they won a, did, he won, did they win a national championship when he was there? Yeah, they sure did. Yep. Yes, they did. So, got so, job at, yeah, that's when he got the job at Texas State, I believe. Well, and here's the thing, because he got that job, and then he ended up, I think he's the defensive backs coach this past year for the New York Giants. So I know that their their coaching staff is kind of in transition right now, considering they just fired Pat Shermer. So, I mean, maybe he ends up at Virginia Tech. We'll see what happens. Shout out for hiring Joe Judge, uh, special teams coach. Love those hires. Yeah, if you're in the NFC East, you kind of gotta you gotta love who the you gotta love anything Dave Gettleman does. If you're a NFC East fan outside of New York, I mean, Dad and Ryan and I are all Redskins fans in heavy drunken denial, minus the fact yeah. that I don't drink. But yay, Ron Rivera! But Diane Snyder still owns the team, so I'll have that drink that I don't drink. Thanks. Yeah, I love Ron Rivera. I just not looking forward to another year of Dan Snyder. That's all. This time, and, and I've been, I've kind of been jaded for years, but I'm actually, I'm hopeful at least on the at the beginning of this era here because of he's getting rid of everybody that Snyder's familiar with. Like a lot of times, when Snyder has these desires to put his hands in the in the business, which it is his team, but that's beside the point. He's a horrible. He does not. He knows nothing about football. But all Rivera, right, we're not we're not the drunken angry Redskins fan <laughs> podcast for the Goblin Country right. podcast. So let's move on. <laughs> but, but I actually feel hopeful with Rivera, and we'll get back to the get to the Hokies. But we got enough Hokies on the Redskins, and they'll probably stick. So maybe we'll do a segment on them this summer or something. Jahar's an Eagles fan, so he just wants to choke at all of this Redskins talk. Yeah, well, I do not like Jadavian Clowney. I will put that out there. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think so. I didn't think you would have liked it when I saw it happen. All right. So enough of that. We got spring coming up. We know we got a defensive backs coach that we're going to have to get, a cornerbacks coach slash somebody 
who will have an impact. Hopefully somebody who can make sure that that door, that golden door stays open to the NFL that will maybe do some better attracting of the quality recruits. We've got the spring coming up. We also have McLeese leaving, which means we've got running backs that are going to be new or trying out. I mean, okay, we got King, yes. We got Kansas who, transfer Khalil Herbert, who yeah, Herbert. whenever he had the chance of being a, a lead running back in Kansas, actually put up like decent stats. It's just going to be interesting to see if that transfers or not. Hopefully it does. And you have Marco Lee's from, from the junior college transfer from Coffeyville, Kansas. He's another guy who's, he brings a lot of size to the position, which is something we've lacked in recent years. At that, spot. When you're having to start your tight end at your running back position. Now, granted, Keen was a running back in Colorado, but still. He likes that H-back concept. He, I think Rodgers kind of lit his fire with that. Sam Rodgers was that dream guy that he could convert to a tight end, you know, make that mobile H-back kind of guy that could do just about anything. Well, Keen fit that mold. So I don't know if we're going to see a change to that. I think that role is going to stay the way it is. I think Dalton Keen's going to spend the rest of his existence as a hokey like that. I am already not looking forward to Dalton Keene not being a hokey at the end of next year because that just makes me sad. Let me see. What is he? He's, he's going to uh, be a senior next year. So yeah, he's, a, yeah, he's yeah, out of eligibility. He's a true senior. He's a, yeah, he's a true senior and him leaving the team. I love his attitude. I love the way he plays football. Every I love the fact that his bicep can catch a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. That was a beautiful That was touchdown. a hell of a touchdown. Catch. That was a squeeze. I call it the squeeze. You know how the, you've got the catch or the or all those different things? Well, this it's was the squeeze. better when, unfortunately, the play wins the game. It didn't yeah. win. Yeah, it didn't win, but, you know, it was still wonderful. Yeah, and I think there's going to be two years of two seasons of more moments for him, but it's going to be sad when he does go. Guys, spring's coming up. So we talked about some of the running back things. Yeah, we got a big log jam coming in at wide receiver. That wide receiver roster is huge. Not only do are we getting all of our people back, Damon Hazleton's got one more year to come back. He's already got a master's degree. He just got awarded. They had a big thing. He was just awarded his master's degree this December. So I don't know what he's going to try to study and maybe another master's degree. I don't know. But you got Hazleton coming back. Next year, we've got a huge log jam of receivers. I smell uh, transfers. Yeah, I got a feeling too. <laughs> that sounds like that might end up being something that we're going to smell. And people need to be aware of it and accept it as not as a negative, but as a, hey, we need the scholarships. And if these kids aren't going to crack the top two or top three, they're going to want to go somewhere they're really going to play. For example, I can I can think of at least two, if not three wide receivers that might not be on the team next year. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I can think of at least a few of them. I can think of three or four, actually, that might be interested that are nearing their yeah. el- eligibility changes. I'm thinking of two that are upperclassmen that, that won't be back. And like Josh said, I won't name any names, but I, I feel certain that we'll have some turnover there for the younger players to move up behind Turner and Hazleton and Robinson. Outside of Robinson, who ended up being like super electric and between punt returning and being a very heady slot receiver, because Robinson's actually like a super smart kid, played quarterback and everything. That fourth down catch where he sat down perfectly in the zone on that fourth and eight was just like, wow, that's advanced level wide receiver. Exactly. And, And he found the sticks and didn't make the mistake of turning around too soon. He knew exactly where he needed to be which, you know, a lot of kids miss. You know, they get all tied up in the zone and they forget about where the hell the sticks are. 
but like last year's recruiting class, Tavian Robinson was definitely one of the higher rated kids, but you still have Elijah Bowick, which a lot of people were really high on. You have, I don't want to like mispronounce his name, unfortunately. Jahar, what's the, what's the, Jaden Payout? Payout. Payout, Payout. It's, it's Payout, I think. Payout. I have no idea. Either way, he was a super highly rated Army All-American four-star. There are a lot of young, fancy wide receivers that came in in the 2019 class that are probably going to push some of these kids out. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll see because there there are some uh, that log jam is going to have to start resolving itself in the spring. It's going to be interesting being on the sidelines of the camera looking at who's doing what work and what specialty if they even come close to organizing it. And here's the score: they already announced. If people who aren't on the mailing lists don't know, they've already announced the date and time of the spring game. So this is going to be a big deal for Fuente. They're pushing this big right now. And I think they're pushing it big because they're coming out of a dicey season and they need to keep the energy up. And I think they're trying to make sure that they stay in people's minds because they came out with a dual thrust ad just so that everybody has it from the podcast. It's going to be April 18th is the spring game and it's a 3.30 start. There's one thing that I really want to see with the spring game. And that is, please, dear God, Justin Fuente, get with the program and just go ahead and freaking televise the thing. It's a bunch of vanilla, bland nonsense. Just televise it. Put Virginia Tech in front of people's eyeballs. Come on. Well, you know, they're not going to play a game game. Like, it's going to be like it was last year where it was a very controlled scrimmage. I don't care about about the fact that stop keeping us out of the public eye. I know you want to. Oh, I agree with you. But just. Televise it. Just play the same type of game, and they're on TV. Yeah, Josh is right. We need to televise it. You do, you want to put eyeballs. You want to fill the stands up and get them on TV. What does it offer well, kids who want to you. come here? The spring game's not a big deal. Here's the other thing that people don't realize: it's like you go down there and it's free. So many teams in like the SEC and Nebraska even charges Sorry. for their spring game. You actually have to fork over money for it. And I bet you if they charged five bucks to get into that spring game, there would be 5,000 people in that stadium because no one will pay for anything when it comes to Virginia Tech football. It makes me so mad. Yeah, he, he's, he's chewed my ear off more than a few times about how cheap people are. You know, God, I love Hokie Nation. I'm part of Hokie Nation. You know, being a graduate and everything. Well, guess what? Hokie Nation's sort of blue collar and sort of cheap. You know, and we talked about this in recruiting. And it's something that I tell people that are commenters on our thing. You can't be like that. If you want a winner, if you want a number one football team, if you want to be in the playoffs, you can't say, no, I'm not sending the hockey club any money because I don't like what's going on. You actually have to say, no, I'm sending more money. I want you to do what I want you to do. You have to actually have to do the opposite of what you think. You can't starve the program of funds and then demand an award-winning coach. You can't afford to hire him. Yeah, you can't afford to hire him. You know, so the people that the Firebirds are, that's a small part of the audience. Firebirds are already out there. I challenged them in my last article. I said, all right, pony up to the bar. We have fan posts. You can do what you want and, you know, put it up there. And if it's good enough and it's interesting, we'll post it up on the main page and let you run for a little while. So that's where we're going from here. Folks, and I'm going to wrap this up for the evening and for the day and for the season. The spring game is more of a learning exercise for the up-and-coming players. It's kind of a consolidation phase for the kids that have been playing for a couple of se- a season or a couple of seasons. 
we didn't even talk about the offensive line, which still isn't settled for next year with whatever Brock Hoffman's going to start. And is Nestor going to be back in the line or is, or is Hudson going to yeah, be back on the line? I, I, but guess you know what? what? It doesn't matter because Vance Vice doesn't settle on his rotation. Yeah, until yeah that's fall exactly what I was going to say. If you can find Vice and ask him, who the heck are you going to play where and get him to actually answer that question, I will pay you extra money. I'm serious that we have that talent, that we have the luxury of that talent right now is so rare. I think we're going to have to leave that on an up note. Ladies and gentlemen, the one thing we know is that Virginia Tech's offensive line only registered against Kentucky in the Belk Bowl. It's there. The offensive line for the Hokies is there. But you've got to be able to take advantage of that. Part of that is the offensive line is fundamentally different than it was last year and man it's experienced this year i can't wait to see them playing football it's a complete two deep next year and i can't wait to see what's going to happen i want to see them playing in the spring and i think it's going to be an exciting football season next year so that wraps our coverage of football we're gonna say goodbye all of us in one form or another will be back for basketball and for maybe some baseball stuff. But but let's uh, let's say goodbye and we'll get out of here for for football season. Go, Go Hokies. Hokies.